0: somewhat keeping, paying a little bit of attention to what's going on in the news. Um, The situation with Russia and um, uh, Ukraine and all of that that's taking place. That's not just um, people that are just deciding that they want to go and to uh, take back that nation. Uh, you're, You're basically watching some early movements of I believe Ezekiel thirty-eight, thirty-nine, 39 uh, that these, com- these nations are starting to align themselves and uh, so we uh, are intently paying attention to what's going on with that. Uh, the rest of the news, I'm not sure if it's <laughs> profitable, so most of it's depressing. Um, but I also would just say this, that there's a lot of times whenever we start looking at prophecy and looking at the end times, Uh, there's a tendency for us to become fearful. And uh, you think that things are are falling apart. They're not falling apart. They're actually falling together. And uh, that the Lord is just kind of arranging things and putting them together so that everything is going to unfold. And again, confidence that I have in Scripture uh, just, again, just affirms even more uh, what is taking place and that we can have uh, great confidence in, in the Word of the Lord and knowing that we know how the future is going to turn out. Now, the only problem is, is that if you have not experienced a new birth and it, that you have um, not given your life to the Lord and been filled with the Spirit, uh, then that's going to be a challenge. And, and we need to make sure that our hearts are right with the Lord Uh, so that we can experience eternal salvation Uh, because all men are going to live forever I don't know if you know that but every one of us are going to live forever Uh, your soul is immortal and whether you are going to spend that in heaven or hell every individual has eternal life and it just it it matters Uh, so let's look at Revelation chapter 6 And uh, I want to, I'll just read that uh, here tonight before we start and before we kind of start diving off into uh, this. But Revelation chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says there, chapter 6, verse 1, And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed after him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. Okay, 25% there of population of the earth die uh, with these four horsemen. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy And true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season, until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as a sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of the heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. And said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. And the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to? To stand, and uh, <clears throat> so uh, those are uh, the seals, and we'll touch those. Those are the six seals. We'll touch on uh, some of that here a little bit later on. Now, uh, one of the things that we look at when you look at the Book of Revelation is to ask yourself this question: Why uh, is the Lord unrolling these seals? Why are these things? taking place at this particular time. And I think one of the matters is that uh, this section of the Bible, it starts turning towards some of God's forgotten attributes. Now, a lot of times whenever we start thinking about the attributes of God, we think about certainly about God's holiness, that is his chief attribute, but we also think about God's love. Uh, We think about the justice of God. Uh, but sometimes we forget that there are some of the other attributes of God, such as the wrath of God. Uh, that that we forget that that is very much a part of His nature, uh, just like it is for His omnipotence, His omniscience, um, His uh, omnipresence—that He is everywhere in the world. Let me—I may have mentioned this to you before, but notice this: Satan is not, is not omnipresent. Uh, he can only be at one place at one time. God is not like that. He is entirely in the world, everywhere at one time. And so when you start looking at this, then uh, if you wonder, well, what is the reason for uh, the tribulation? Peter answers that to a certain degree in Second Peter chapter 3, whenever he starts in verse 4, and he says it like this, and saying... Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water, it perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Now, there are times where there are people uh, biblical scholars, and sometimes I've fallen into that trap to look at and say, "Okay, we want to try to figure these days out. That one day is like a thousand years." But really, what Peter is getting at there is he's saying that there is that understanding that God does not look at time the way we look at time, Amen. and and there are times where we think God has forgotten that God is has uh, turned his head and he's he's allowed. Uh, Hitler's crimes and Pol Pot and Idi Amin and and Joseph Stalin and all these things that that he's just letting them off and they live their lives and they they committed all these horrible crimes and that they're gonna be off the hook. Peter said, don't fall into that trap of believing that because we look at a day as 24 hours, the Lord looks at it, he's not bound by time. And there is a judgment that is going to take place to this part. So whenever Peter starts expressing that thought about, and and he doesn't specifically express the reason for uh, the tribulation there, but ultimately the purpose of the tribulation is is that God is going to right every wrong and injustice that has ever been done. we'll pick up on some of that here in just a moment when we get to uh, the the third horse the black horse but I want you I want to point out something to you and this again is just for uh, your own personal Bible study um, and and I've mentioned to you maybe in times past that when you're looking at the Bible uh, just in personal Bible study reading pick up on phrases and on things where that they are um, like you you see that they are or phrases that you want to pick up on. For instance, uh, I've got some boxes around some of these uh, words here. Uh, see, in in Revelation six one, it says the Lamb opened. Verse three, he had opened. Verse five, he had opened. Verse seven, he had opened. Verse nine, he had opened. Verse 12, he had opened. And then skip over to chapter 8 and verse 1. You see that there? It says he had opened. What that does is those phrases keys you into that these are things that tips us off. Okay, the seals are, are, they are be, that they are going to be opened. Now, let me point this up. Uh, there's another phrase that I want to point out that helps us that whenever we look at the book of Revelation it's unfolding chronologically now there's times where that people want to interpret prophecy and they want to pull one of the six trumpets and get it in front of the third seal but when you look at what John is seeing John says I saw i saw so so look at look at that he says that in verse chapter six, verse one he says, i saw he says it in verse two, I saw, look down to verse nine, i saw, look at seven one, i saw, look at seven two i saw, look at eight and two I saw, and I've got those listed for you every one of those things John is looking at this thing as it is unfolding chronologically now if you get those out of sync and you look at for instance one of the deals is is wormwood and that happens later on in in the book or later on in the in the revelation there were people in the past who tried to say that chernobyl you remember the nuclear reactor and the explosion and all of it, and it's still to a certain degree not inhabited, although there are things that are starting to grow back there, and it is starting to come to the place where the radiation has diminished there. But there were some who wanted to say, well, when you read in what John was talking about, about wormwood, that this is what he saw. But if you get those things out of sync chronologically... I can't remember when Chernobyl was, but I think it was in the sometime in the late maybe late 70s, early 80s. 86. So, I mean, it's been 30 years ago now. And so what you have to do is you have to read the Bible in a let it unfold as it unfolds and that's the way we look at the book of Revelation. And and if you get them out of sync, then what happens is Is they lead to confusion of mind and confusion of spirit. Now, the book of Revelation starts unfolding. That's kind of, it's something about how that in the first two chapters, or first, well, in chapters two and three, that you find seven churches. And then you move to Revelation chapter six, and now all of a sudden, you got seven seals. Now, here's what happens. With the seventh seal, it opens up the seven trumpets. You get to the seven trumpet, the seventh trumpet, and it opens up the seven vials, or if you want to call them the seven bowls. And so each one at the end of that seventh seal, end of the seventh trumpet, each you see how each one of them open up, um, uh, uh, it, it just kind of just widens out and it opens up uh, in that way. And then the tribulation ends with the second coming of the Lord, and uh, that's a doctrine that you find scattered even uh, through a lot of the uh, Old Testament that it talks about that there is a second coming, uh, and when the second coming of the Lord is there at that part, then that will begin the 1,000-year millennium. Now, let's take a look at these seven seals. Now, here's where... I want to be careful and not say, well, the white horse, the red horse, the black horse, the pale horse are indicators of certain people, things. Let's let the Bible speak for itself. There are some, um, and, and questionably uh, a lot, um, a majority, I would say, feel like that the white horse is the entrance of the Antichrist. I have heard a lot of other uh, explanations and varieties of things. I just want to make sure that I'm not trying to squeeze my faults into and forcing them in, for instance, to say that the white horse is the Catholic Church, because there are some that teach that, even some among the apostolics. And there are some that teach that the red horse is communism and that the black horse is capitalism and that the pale horse is Islam. Scripture is not clear; does not clearly indicate that. All I know, whenever I read through Revelation chapter six and see these four horsemen that are taking place, what is associated with them? Well, um, we do see that uh, there in verse uh, in, in verse two that that white horse he there's a bow. And he has a crown that's given to him; he goes forth conquering and to conquer, but with his bow he doesn't have he doesn't shoot any arrows and so most of the time, whenever you see in in the Bible an association of somebody going to war, they're not just going to take a bow. They're going to take arrows with them while they go. So, obviously, this rider of this white horse is going to be able to conquer the world and there will not be much, I guess you'd say, mayhem and and blood and gore and and all that sort of stuff that that takes place as it unfolds. Now, that does change here uh, with with the red horse. The red horse comes along and notice there in verse four, the Bible says, "Out went another horse that was red. And power was given unto him to take peace from the earth, that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword." So we do, we can from these this picture that that John writes to us under the inspiration of the Spirit that there is an indicator that there is a war that is sweeping across our world. Uh, during that period of time. Now, we get to the black horse. Notice there, look at where it says, a measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see that you do not hurt the oil and the wine. Now, this is gonna be evident where that there's a famine that's gonna move in, there are gonna be food shortages, and whenever you see that there, there, that it says a measure of wheat for a penny, three measures of barley for a penny, that means that an entire day's wage is going to be completely spent just on the ability to try to purchase food. And whether you buy wheat or whether you drop down and you buy barley, which is a lesser quality product uh, than what wheat is, we do know this, that there's a food shortage that takes place and during this period of time, while this food shortage, people are going to work, it's going to take an entire day's work to be able to purchase food. But notice what happens to the rich. See that y'all uh, hurt not the oil and the wine. So people that do have means, people that do have money, then the injustice that is there, that the rich are not going to be affected. Now, you can look through the Charlie Vector 19, as they call it. Uh, you can see how that has, has affected, It's affected the peons, and it hasn't really affected the elites. Because work, because pictures have slipped out and they still continued to party and fly their jets and have a big time and go here, go there, do that while everybody else has been locked down. And so that trend will continue on even into their tribulation, But I'll show you something here in just a minute that's going to help us to see uh, what's going to happen uh, to them. And then the Bible says that there is a pale horse. Uh, that comes along. Then again, there are some that teach uh, even among us, and it's not just one or two. I have some friends of mine that teaches that. Brother Patterson and I know a uh, pastor here in Alabama that leans toward that, that the pale horse is Islam, and they get that from the color because when you look at that word pale, uh, in the Scripture, the word behind that is choros, which means it's kind of got a green color, and so they associate green with being the color of Islam. But again, be careful to try not to make my personal thoughts, ideas, forcing that into what we call, just let Scripture speak for itself. Because it's about like trying to name the Antichrist. Okay, y'all do know, I nearly come home from Bible college in 1990, I think it was, in 1991. Persian Gulf War, and um, I was in a classroom with about 60, uh, about 40 men and probably 20 women, and it was amazing, the theological insights of uh, 22, 18, 19, 20. 20-year-old theologi- the- theologians in a Bible college. And uh, they had me so scared and shook up Saddam Hussein. Yeah, that's an Antichrist right there. I'm telling you now. And I called my dad, Dad, I tell you, I think I need to I need to come home. Saddam Hussein's Antichrist and we fixed out the mark of the beast and I, I think I need to quit Bible college and hurry up and come home and help y'all build the church and, and so on. My dad said, I don't think you need to, need to go. He said, you need to call Brother Patterson and talked to him. So I called Brother Patterson. Brother Patterson was, you know, oh, I don't know that I'd put a lot of stock in that. And then I talked to Brother Griffin, and Brother Griffin said, oh, I don't know i put a lot of stock in that. And then he told me this. He said, just know this. He said, whenever the Lord comes back, he said, there's going to be young men that are still preparing for ministry. He said, my personal thoughts are that, that I think you need to stay and finish up, and I thank God that I did that. Because obviously Saddam Hussein was not the Antichrist. Henry Kissinger, he was supposed to be the Antichrist. And then most recently, Donald Trump is the Antichrist. (laughs) You see how they change. They change on the whims of people's emotions. And so whenever you're looking at the book of Revelation, make sure that you don't try to force your personal feelings into trying to determine what John is writing about. Ultimately, we are, we do know. And you say, well, how in the world can you start out and tell us we need to be paying attention to Russia? It's because when you look at the old biblical maps, Gog, Magog, all of those that are enlisted in, listed in Revelation, or in, in Ezekiel 38, 39, you start seeing the movement and the trends of things. Those are areas where we can have a certainty. And yet, we know there's an antichrist coming, we just don't know who he is. But we are moving rapidly toward a one world system. And, and so... And so then the next one comes along there uh, in, in verse 9. He had opened that, the, the, all the, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God. And so there is evidence that there will be again martyrs. Do you realize that right now that the Christian church, and I'm going to put that under the big tent of Christianity, are being greatly persecuted? Uh, throughout the world and that there are people that are actively coming against uh, Christianity and so persecution is taking place and sometimes I wonder what would happen to us if persecution came to the church in America and then the sixth seal there's a great earthquake and the wrath of the Lamb and then the seventh seal opens up the seven trumpets now Everyone is going to hide from the Lord. Look there in Revelation chapter 6 and look in verse 15. The Bible says there, And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and notice what they're saying they're wanting the mountains and rocks to fall on them why? to hide their face from the wrath of the Lamb for great is his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand now I probably will delve off into this next Wednesday night and that's going to deal with the timing of the rapture and, and I'm going to try to treat all three positions as fairly as I possibly can. There are three positions that people hold about the timing of the rapture. Some say it's pre-tribulational, which means that when you read uh, in chapter four, Revelation 4:1, four, that people believe that the rapture takes place at that point. There are others who are what is considered that there is a mid, Tribulational rapture, which means that the rapture will take place three and a half years into that seven year time frame and then the rapture will take place there. There are others that they believe that the church and the whole, everybody is going to go through a seven year period and that the Lord will come back at the end of that. Now, I want to say this about this matter of pre, mid, and post-trip. There are, there are secondary doctrines in Scripture, and whenever I say secondary doctrines in Scripture, those are matters that that is left up to people in a sense of Christian liberty. The timing of the rapture is not an area that we should be dividing fellowship over. And yet there are ardent, hardcore people that if you're a pre-trib or they call them pre-tribbers or post-tribbers that they don't want to have any kind of association with each other. I'm going to look at the matter of the timing of the rapture. That is a secondary issue and it really doesn't matter when the Lord comes back. What does matter is that we are ready and that we are prepared for the return of the Lord. Now, there's another term that has slipped in, and that other term is a term that is described as pre-wrath. Pre-wrath means that these tributes, so we see these four horses here. Uh, all four of those horses uh, we can look at in verse 9 where the, there are martyrs that are taking place all of those can be man-made. So when does the wrath of God, when can we say the wrath of God starts? Well, I would say the wrath of God, if we're gonna term it like that, would certainly start uh, in verse 12 because when you look at it, the Bible said there was a great earthquake, the sun became black as a sackcloth of hair and the moon became as blood. A man cannot create an earthquake. Now the previous five seals, we could say okay let's just for what we're saying we're going to say okay we're for a pre-rath rapture then we could say well the church may have to endure some of those areas but when you get to the wrath of god the question is why would the lord put his bride through these difficult and challenging times oh well that's one to test your that's one to want to test your Allegiance and test your relationship with God and, and so on and so forth. I just want to say this, okay? I got the Holy Ghost when I was seven, and I've lived for the Lord long enough now <laughs> that I've had to endure some challenges and some things and et cetera and so forth. and I want to reason with the Lord and say, Lord, I mean I in your patience possess ye your soul. That's what the Lord said. And, and there's been some things that have tested my patience And I personally am the part that I believe there will be a The Lord will remove his church out of that And so I'm going to spend some time with that uh, next Wednesday night So here's what we can do We can look at Revelation chapter 6 through 8 That's only a preview of worsening times to come Because the seals, they barely scratch the surface. Now turn over in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 9. And this is the fifth trumpet. And I want to point out some uh, parts uh, here. Uh, But let's look and let's start there in verse 3. The Bible says there, and there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Now, if you don't read verse 2, then you can think, well, these are locusts that are just like they're buzzing around and they're going to sting you and catch you and so forth. But verse 2 keys us in That these are not just normal locusts These are demons Now how do I know that Well let's read verse 2 The Bible says And he opened the bottomless pit And there arose a smoke out of the pit As the smoke of a great furnace And the sun and the air were darkened By reason of the smoke of the pit So they literally are being belched out of hell Let's look at verse 4. It was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months, and their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it. They're going to try to commit suicide and are not going to be able to die. Now that's pretty, that's pretty, I mean that's pretty telling. Uh, And the shapes of the locusts were likened to horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates. And as it were, breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like in the scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. Now here's where, again, more scripture opens and gives us more light. Verse 11, And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue his, he hath his name Apollyon. Now, you read Pilgrim's Progress, or if you went to Revelation Media and watched the little—they uh, did an excellent job with that. It's animated. It's about an hour and 45 minutes, and I've watched it several times. Uh, they did an excellent job carrying along with John Bunyan when he wrote Pilgrim's Progress. But do you remember there was a part there where that when Christian leaves the house beautiful? which is a picture of the church, and the pastor was there. He had four daughters, and those daughters, they equipped Christian as he left and went out of there, and as he was going out of there, you remember, he descends down into something called the Valley of Humiliation. When he gets into the Valley of Humiliation, he gets into the fight of his life, and Bunyan is... In the allegory paints it up and says that he is battling with Abaddon and Apollyon he's in a battle with the devil and you remember one of the blows that he comes along he, he hits Christian and Christian loses hold of his sword and his sword gets away from him and then he, he manages he, he's 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 rattled okay the enemy is beaten the life out of him and he manages to get over and get the sword back in his hand and is able to ward off the enemy and then I don't know if you remember but in his backpack his carry on that he had here's what they had packed in this is pretty, he did an excellent job with this but there was a loaf of bread and a flagon of wine a bottle of wine And that was symbolic and it was symbolic of 1st Corinthians 11 do this in remembrance of me and and he reaches over in the bag and he gets the bread and he gets the wine and it breathes life back into him because he remembers what the Lord has done for him at Calvary now I hope that you've had that experience in your walk with the Lord there's been times where you literally felt like you were lifeless and that the enemy had beat the life out of you and somehow or another you managed to get your hand back on your sword and you managed to have communion and to again get your mind to meditate on what the Lord did for you at Calvary and that's a pretty powerful picture and so these locusts they come out, they work, and and again. Now, here's something else that you notice. Look in verse 12. Mixed in with the mixed in with the seals, mixed in with the trumpets, and mixed in with the uh, vials or the bowls are some woes. And look at what he says in verse 12. One woe is past, and behold, there come two more woes thereafter. So it is going to be a horrific time that is going to take place when the tribulation starts unfolding. Now, I've got there in those notes that I that I give to you two very extremely busy charts. Now, a lot of the old... I shouldn't say old, but a lot of our elders in years past had a book of charts written by a man by the name of Clarence Larkin, and he had a book called Dispensational Truth. It was very much keyed into the part where that they were working with a dispensational plan, and I do believe that when you look at the way that God uh, works with man that there is a dispensational plan that unfolded as God worked with the church and that God worked with individuals. And I remember whenever I was in Bible college, Brother Griffin gave us copies uh, of this and the internet come along and so now these charts are so old that they're just out in public domain. But notice there again, this, this chart, look, look right there, you see all that says the Book of Revelation there. I've got for you on page sixty-one, and then drop down in that in that middle or that second column, and you see where that there is a vision uh, of the Lord among the lampstands, and then there's the seven churches, and then it branches out. You see the seals, you see the trumpets. If you take a magnifying glass, he's got it, he's got it written out there where the, you can see the chapter, the corresponding chapters of where the, the seals and the trumpets, and then he's even got the woes that are in there. Uh, he's got the beast that's coming out of the sea. Uh, you've got the vials that start in chapter uh, 16, and then he's got there where the, the thousand years are the time of the millennium, and then up under that, there's a little bit of a more of an elaboration where that he's got pictures of the great tribulation and the things that, that John sees that are coming out of the sea. And so all of these things help us to begin to see how that the book of Revelation is going to unfold. And then the last chart that I have for you uh, there is what is considered during the tribulation period and that's a little bit it widens, it widens the picture out um, a little bit more uh, for you uh, in that. But again, here's what we have taken place. We've got the dragon, uh, you've got the beast, you've got the false prophet. You've got these areas that are working in conjunction against God's plan. But if you remember the title at the beginning of the book of Revelation, what does the book of, what what does it say? Revelation of what? Revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not the revelation of John. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, if you go back to some of those online Bible studies that I was doing, do you remember whenever I told you that the most popular book that the early church wanted taught to them was the book of Revelation. And the reason for that was, was because they were enduring incredible pressure and persecution even into the second and third century. That they were dealing with all of these challenges and what they wanted to hear was they wanted to read the word of God, hear people teach the word of God to them about ultimately the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ and so just know this and I I, I comfort my mind in this that times where that I and I've almost tried to get totally away from the news um, because it's just it just it you can let it you can get to where you dwell on it sometimes and it can be incredibly depressing however, these faces that I see of these political leaders who, who basically fit into the category that they hate God, that they are God-haters. Now, they would never perceive themselves as that, but Paul is very clear in Romans chapter 1 that these people are God-haters and that everything that they stand for is against the principles of God. And so when I see their faces, and you say, oh my goodness, you're judging them. Well, they're, I'm not judging them. I'm letting their fruits expose who they are. And if they stand for these principles and these things that are anti-God, then I can come to a solution or come to a, uh, an understanding that these are the people that are opposed to God and God's gonna deal with them. And ultimately... The Lord Jesus Christ will be victorious. And these people will be crushed under his feet. And that's where we ought to take confidence instead of reading the Scripture. Now, if you're, if you're lost and you, you have not been filled with the Spirit and you're not living a holy life or you're backslidden and lukewarm, I hope that's none of y'all. I hope that's whoever's out there, okay? But, if you're in that place and in that position then then this book ought to terrify you because these things are on their way, they are coming. Right. but if there is a work of the Spirit that God has done in your life, then whenever you read the book of Revelation, it shouldn't frighten you Amen. it shouldn't get you all worked up and I remember when I was a kid, and I mentioned this the other night when I would hear prophecy teachers i oh, dude. <laughs> I'd get up in the middle of the night and, and go in there and look, make sure my mom and dad hadn't been raptured and I'd been left behind and, and all that. Okay, you that was a part because I was fearful. Okay, but if the Lord has done a work in your life, there ought to be a confidence that you have and, and, and just believe that ultimately the Lord is going to come out on top and this thing, all the wrongs are gonna be righted, the injustices are gonna be taken care of and the Lord is going to prevail. Amen. Amen. So keep that uh, in mind and uh, don't tell anybody, I must have a fever, I'm stopping early. Don't tell them I let y'all out early. It'll mess up my reputation. Let's stand. I appreciate you coming to church tonight. And um, we we ought to just, we ought to put our hearts and our souls into this thing. I'm just just gonna tell you, okay, this world is gonna pass away. But those that do the will of God, the Bible says they're gonna abide forever. And I wanna do the will of the Lord. Amen. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Lord, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful, Lord, for this prayer time that we've had tonight. I thank you, Lord, for the liberty, God, that I felt, Lord, while I have been teaching. And I pray, Lord, tonight that this word, God, would find, Lord, fertile soil. I pray, Lord, tonight, God, if there are those that are here, and the God, that there's not a certainty in their lives, I pray, Lord, that you would would convict them. Let them seek after you. Lord, let their lives come to a place where that they honor you. And I pray, Lord, for those, God, that have been filled with your spirit. Lord, let this be an encouragement to them. We know, Lord, that there's troubling times, Lord, that are on its way to this earth. But I ask you, Lord, tonight, God, help us to somehow to live for you earnestly. And sincerely and honestly, in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Lord bless you, and thank you for coming to church tonight.